Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mercy Talk podcast from Mercy Multiplied, where we are passionate about empowering you with biblical principles for growing in mental, emotional, and spiritual health and equipping you to share those principles with others. I'm Melanie Wise, and joining me on this episode are some really special guests. Today, I'm going to be talking with Rachel Schmidt and Tyler Kerbat, who are both on staff at Christ Church of the Valley, which is a multi-campus church in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, It is one of the largest churches in the nation with a weekly attendance of over 35,000 people across multiple campuses. And if you have been listening to Mercy Talk for long, you know that we are incredibly passionate about the role that both the church, the body of Christ, and professional counseling play in, in really serving the holistic health, spirit, soul, and body of the people in our churches, our communities, our cities. And we really do believe that both are so important and do not have to be enemies of one another. So let me just tell you that this church gets it. They have done some incredible things in their community to really bring these two worlds together. And honestly, our prayer is that more and more churches, more and more believers would really just be inspired by them to engage at a deeper level as well. So I'm really, really excited, like giddy excited over here for you all to hear this conversation. So we hope that you enjoy the show. Rachel and Tyler, it is so, so, so fun to have you guys on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Melanie. It really is an honor to to talk with you today. So excited. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, Man, okay, before we jump into conversation, because I have so many things that I'm excited to talk to you guys about, but I want to make sure that our listeners kind of have an idea of who we're talking to here. Um, And so I'll just kind of I guess, Rachel, start with you. Um, I know that you have been attending Christ Church of the Valley since, so I was reading, since 1995, you shared that when you were a freshman in high school. And so I was kind of doing the math. I was like, okay, that was 27 years ago. I was like, okay, that's been a while. (laughs) It's been a really long time. Wait a minute. I was a freshman in high school in 1996. Okay. So you and I are the same age. But when I did the math and I was like, that was 27 years ago. It's been 27 years since I was in high school. <laughs> like, it just all started becoming a little overwhelming to me. Anyway, um, anyway, that's an aside. You have now been on staff for 14 years at CCV, and I know that you've held a variety of roles in, uh, I think you said student ministry, music. Mm-hmm. You're now serving as the care and support pastor at CCV, and we're going to talk more about that because I got lots of questions for you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, Tyler, I know that um, you are leading just a team of creators, that your position there is marketing and communications director. Um and so I'm excited. And, and if anybody's like, why is Tyler on this podcast? Care and support. That makes sense. And But I am excited to talk about your role and everything that we're going to talk about today. Um, and I did notice in both of your bios that you are both parents of a lot of kids. Rachel, I know you have three. And Tyler, you have four kids under the age of six. Is this correct? Yeah, my, my wife's a superhero. Uh, she is, yeah. I have no words. 
that's amazing. I'm like, I don't even know how this is mathematically possible, but um, that's amazing. And I feel like we need to do a second podcast just on how, how you do this. Cause I am new to this parenting thing. Like, Somebody please help me in Jesus name. Yeah, if you do a, a podcast, Tyler, I'll join and listen and learn from you. And learn. I, teenagers have taught me, I know nothing about parenting. So well, I just, I just outkick my coverage. My wife is just a superhero. And oh. I drink a lot of coffee. I mean, that's true. That's, that's true. But um, man, I, uh, I'm just so excited to, to chat with you guys today. Um, We've had some connection. I know Rachel, you and I have had a few conversations and yeah. um, I'm just, I, I just continue to feel like there's just so much alignment, just of heart and spirit. Um, and so this is just so fun to me um, and especially for our listeners to get to meet you all. Um, but I would love to hear just before we jump into some stuff, Rachel, could you just share a little bit about what care and support, as that is what you oversee at a very large church, um, what does that look like for you all? Um, and really just anything anything that you would want to share about CCV just as a church that you think would be kind of relevant to what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Melanie. Um, gosh, first, it's after over 27 years. I didn't, I don't think I've even done the math myself. Like I think I stopped at like 20. Um, but it's been such an honor to watch it, uh, to just watch CCV grow from where it was and to continue to see the impact it has here in the greater Phoenix area. Um, and, you know, throughout the the Valley, I'll talk a little bit about Press On and how that even expanded our reach outside of Arizona um, and even a little bit outside of our country, which was just incredible to be a part of. But it's been a crazy and amazing uh ride. Uh, I, I started, I think initially I started full time here in 04 and again, kept having many children. And so I kept trying to figure out work-life balance as a mom and working part-time and full-time and volunteering and all of those things learned a lot along the way and have been in this role of overseeing care and support, uh, for probably, I think about five years is my, my total so far. Um, and it's been just uh, amazing. There, We have 12 campuses. We have over almost uh, 500 staff currently on our on our teams across all of our campuses and then our development team. And so uh, currently I work on our development team, which basically helps resource and train our campus staff uh, in whatever area that is to help them implement and execute on the weekends. And so care and support uh, basically oversees what resources, what referrals we provide to people when they reach out to the church for help, what do we give them and how do we give that to them? And so I also train a lot of our um, pastoral staff in how to have these, you know, very sensitive conversations, how to walk people through some crisis, uh, how to, you know, like make the best referral that we can. And so a lot of what care and support looks like at CCV is uh, doing a lot of listening, uh, encouraging affirming people that reach out and like how proud we are that they they actually took the step to reach out because that's usually the, you know the toughest part that we hear that's the hardest the hardest piece is to ask for help and then from there sending them a really great referral that's aligned with our our biblical values that's aligned with truth um and then connecting them to that like long long-term sustainable relationship so um I dial in a lot with our pastoral staff that we do not provide counseling. That is not what we do. Uh, we know that we are not trained in that. And so a lot of what care and support is, is more operating like a triage where people come in, we are able to kind of assess and then we refer 
uh, out for them and then check in on them consistently to see how they're doing. So um, it's been an honor just to be able to oversee that, to be able to train our staff, um, even under the care and support umbrella, which I know we'll talk a little bit probably um, in a few, but is our staff care. And so I have the, the honor and privilege of really um, championing our staff care in a lot of different areas, making sure that our staff are healthy and we know if they're thriving, their families are thriving, then that's a thriving church. And so really investing in them uh, in a lot of ways, that's a huge passion of mine. So that's kind of what care and support looks like at CCV uh, overall. So good. So good. <laughs> so much of what you described. I mean, you know, our team at Mercy, we always just kind of like sit around and we're like, what would it just look like if it was just operating in like health and like people were being served and ministered to in a, in a safe and healthy way. I'm like, everything you just described is like dream state. <laughs> just like, man, if every church could function in that way. And I mean, yes, you guys have, I mean, just the size of your staff is the size of a large church, you yeah. know? Um, so you're really working with a lot of people. Um, and so, but I, I think that could work on a, on a, big scale, work on a small scale um, in so many different ways. But um, I just love the way that you guys are doing that. And um, I will say just kind of for background. So in December of, of 2020, so anybody doing the math knows we are in the thick of COVID in December of 2020. Um, our director of development sent to our leadership team just an article that she had found. I still to this day don't know where she found this article, but she found it. It somehow came across her computer. And um, the title of the article was Arizona Church Raises Over $1 Million for Mental Health Counseling. I continued to read on about this press on campaign. And I mean, y'all, I just got so excited. I got so excited that I shared it on my own social media, which I just don't do that. I, I don't, I'm not like one to just like repost articles or like read this link, you know, but this one, I was like, the world needs to know about this. It was just so awesome. Um, and I'm not really going to say anything else about it because I would love for you, Tyler, to share just the story behind the press on campaign, what it was all about, uh, specifically how you guys as a church recognize the need for it. Um, and just kind of your role in that was, was cool to hear. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, God saw this thing through from idea to execution and wherever it goes from here is just continues to be his story. Um, but I look at God as an author and he's been working on this one for a while. Uh, we'll kind of we'll kind of start in the middle, like you said. Uh, it was the fall of 2020, and without belaboring the point, we all know what that was like. I mean, those trigger words of uncertainty and elections and job security and all all the things racing around everybody's mind during the pandemic. Uh, you know, the table was set. It was a, a really interesting time, a pressure cooker, if you will. And I was new to staff, uh, so I head up just as a, as an aside. I head up our marketing and communications team, which. I look at it as storytelling for the church. Like marketing kind of has a, a funny a funny tone to it. Um, but really, we, we tell the story of what's happening inside the church to the people who attend. And then we try to amplify that story outside of the church so that more people know about it and come and check it out. So uh, I came on staff in September. Um, and shortly after that, our, our teaching pastor and our senior pastor, uh, we were in a sermon planning meeting, which is kind of a regular rhythm here at CCV. They gather... 10 to 12 different uh, people. They kind of give a thousand foot view of the upcoming sermon series. We gather ideas and feedback, talk about blindsides, opportunities, you name it. 
And our, our senior pastor said, hey, you know, this, this next series, it's going to be called Let's Talk About It, which already sets the table. Uh, it had four tenets to it. It was going to hit on anxiety, depression, addiction, and boundaries. And I'm, I'm this new guy on staff, and I, man, I get the, the hairs on my arms start tingling. Because if we, if we rewind, uh, when I was interviewing for this position, I had this notepad where I would be writing down ideas of just like thing, things that would cross my mind. You know, I'd spend time in prayer or even just like random half-baked ideas. And one of the things that hit me, no joke, middle of the night, months before I ever joined staff, I just wrote down this play on words uh, that if you kind of reconfigure the word depression, right there in the middle of it are the words press on. And if you change the way that you look at it, this thing that you that, that many people uh, perhaps could be struggling with, it actually be kind of a rallying cry and uh, a testament to perseverance. <clears throat> um, so we're in that sermon planning meeting and I just asked, you know, hey guys, I, I feel I feel kind of led. Can I just can I just write something on the board and see where we go from there? And I had I had this moment where, you know, I'm surrounded by many of these new coworkers. Some of them I've known and I've done life with for a long time. They're safe, they're a safe space. Some of them are like new fresh faces where I'm trying to build trust and build camaraderie. Hey, we're gonna be in the trenches working together. Um, and I just shared that, you know, depression and anxiety have been a part of my story in the past. And I think if we're really honest, if we look at this scenario in the, in the fall and winter of uh, 2020, we, we all kind of had an inkling that maybe these things were more prominent than they, than they had been uh, in the near past. So I kicked out this idea of, you know, hey, our church has a heart. We have always served our communities. What if we take this idea of mental health? We already have the platform for these conversations. What if we do something about it? I mean, if you look at CCV's history uh, in, in the not too distant past, we did a more than us campaign where we raised funds and, and, and gave them to, to benefit churches around the valley who maybe needed a little extra help uh, to level up. And so I just said, you know, hey, what if I, I don't know how this is all going to work. I have no idea. Thank God for Rachel and her team. Um, but what if we what if we really leaned into this and kind of demystified what mental health is? And, and perhaps maybe we actually stepped in and provided some help for people dealing with these scenarios. Wow, wow, wow. What a cool story. I'm just imagining like the new kid in class being like, I got, I got something to say. <laughs> I love so many things about that story. Um, and I love that you had the courage cause that probably did take some courage in that moment to be like, okay, I just feel like I just can't, I can't be quiet right now. Um, and that is like a whole nother awesome story in and of itself. Um, and to know what you became a catalyst for, I just can't imagine how awesome that's been to see that unfold. It's just to think that in that moment, the Lord just like placed this thing in your heart and you just, and you have the courage to speak and to see what has happened as a result is just incredible. Um, I love, there's so much that I love about how you guys have gone about this. Um, and I know that Rachel, you've, you've spoken to this a little already, but just how, um, as you have been working to connect people in your church and in your community with professionals in your community that you've actually vetted those professionals. And I will say, um, you know, I was in pastoral ministry for a few years and I knew, I knew 
there were situations where I was like, I am in over my head. I do not know what I am doing. I need help. But I had done no work or no groundwork for knowing who was out there, who were the professionals out there, the ones that I would trust in my head. I'm like, a counselor's a counselor, right? Like they all do the same thing. No, that is not true at all. Not at all true. Um, And the fact that you guys have actually done that that work on the front end um, and not done just kind of a go find someone good luck, but you've actually partnered with people, you've researched, you've found counselors in your area that you would trust, that you feel like you're aligned with. And that to me um, is such an incredible place of care mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that you have stepped into. And so um, I also love, I just think that um, you involved your whole church in this clearly. I mean, you guys raised a million dollars right out the gate. <laughs> to to really help fund this work and i think at this point i mean the last i saw i think it's over like two million that you guys Mm -hmm. raised is that right yeah Um, just unbelievable so there's a message and this is not like this is not to be like let's give people advice on raising money here like that's not the heart i'm going for here it's more that there was something that you that was shared with the people in your church that invited them into this um, and that really made them feel engaged in this. And so I'm just interested to know um, from either of you, just kind of what, how did you inspire people to be involved in this? I mean, especially financially, what was the message to your church in this? You know, a number of our leadership really, they asked, they asked that important question of how do we get, how do we get people behind this? You know, because it's, it's two part. It's one, one part is education, right? You know, when it comes to demystifying or, or setting the table for this conversation, one part of it is is just kind of bringing people up to speed and maybe creating some awareness. The other part is also helping people who maybe have been on this journey know that uh, it's okay to get some help. Um, so this isn't this isn't super formulaic, but there were three tenets, three phrases that we instilled, uh, pretty much in every facet of the campaign. And it was first and foremost, it was your scene. We see you. Uh, you're not alone and there's help. So we really took this three pronged approach uh, to, to, you know, talk about, Hey, here are some of the stats around this right now. Uh, we see you. Uh, if you've been, if you've been fighting in the shadows or if you have been shouldering this, not knowing what to do, like we, we see you and you're not alone. Uh, we're a church that has a heart for this and we, we don't have all the answers. Like we're not going to, we're not going to solve this um, right here, right now, but we want something about it. And so when we say there's help, we wanted to have practical, tangible, uh, accessible mechanisms for people, whether they were public about it and raised their hands, Hey, I need some help or whether they needed a, you know, a really convenient kind of behind the scenes text mechanism to, to tech help. Um, but those were, those were kind of the three prongs of it. Um, and then really, I think it was just to the credit, I'll, I'll pass the mic to Rachel, but I think just to the credit of getting, getting all of our staff on board. I mean, it was really, truly an all hands on deck move. Mm-hmm. I think too, a lot of our, uh, like Tyler had mentioned the more than us campaign, um, the year prior. And so I think I could be wrong, Tyler, maybe you can confirm. I believe we raised between like five and seven million for that. In that, like, I think a lot of the power of this came from, we've always been a church that um, doesn't play it safe. And so we refuse to sit back when our city is hurting 
and and do nothing. And so even in economically uncertain times when a lot of people have lost jobs and are struggling their, themselves, um, our senior pastor really just kind of stepped up and was like, hey, uh, we're taking a risk. And, you know, if you aren't struggling with it, you know someone who is struggling with mental health during this time. Um, and really, we want to be the kind of church that that steps forward because people matter. And so that that was a lot of the, um, you know, the rally cry for people to really get on board. And we were had no idea what to expect. We'd never done anything like this before. And so we really, in all of our team's meetings, we're like, we could have two people reach out. We could have $2 donated. Like we, we have no idea. It could, it could run the gamut. And so trying to prepare for the logistics of all of that, of what money would come in. And, and, you know, Tyler and his team did a lot in working with different organizations to help streamline a lot of the financial piece. But yeah, what's super crazy is that we raised total within that um, November to, we still get money coming in even now, uh, but from November on, we raised about 2.2 million. And for the amount of people that reached out, um, we had a total of like 5,300 people reach out from November to April and connected about almost 3,000 of them to a local counselor. And with that, what we committed was exactly what we had raised. Like God had prepared so much, prepared people's hearts to really give and be so generous that it met specifically the need that that we had, which is just mind blowing. And I don't know why it's shocking because God does it every time. But he, like, it gives me the chills now, even thinking about how God really just like, how Tyler said, he set the table and he you know, was just like, hey, be faithful stewards of this. And I'm going to I'm going to run with this and let you guys uh, have the privilege of being a part of it. And so, yes, uh, it's super cool to watch how God really like laid out all of those pieces. Yes, I love that. It's actually I mean, right before we jumped on to record this podcast, uh, I was on the phone with our lead pastor at my church and we were just talking about how God, like, we still sometimes can get in this mindset of like, we're going to do this thing. God, would you just bless it? Would you just come? Would you provide? Would you just, you know, and how many times is it the Lord just inviting us to do what he's already doing? Like, he's like, hey, no, actually I'm doing the thing and you get to do it with me. Not the other, not the other way around. Yeah. And just so much of your story is so much of even Mercy's story. Our founder shares all the time how the Lord works with her is not usually... I'm going to provide and then you can go do the thing. It's like, no, 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 you go do the thing and I will provide as you're doing the thing, which is terrifying. You know, <laughs> it's like you just literally have to trust that you're going to move forward with the calling and believe that the calling is from the Lord and that he's going to provide when the need arises. And what an incredible story of that, that, that you're sharing. Um, there's so many things that I want to talk about and ask about. I'm going to stick to the notes here. Okay. I'm sticking to the notes. Um, something Something that we talk a lot about at Mercy is knowing your lane. And you have both already spoken to this. And I love it so much because I feel like historically, um, you know, the church by and large um, has has kind of tend to go one of two ways. Um, either when people come into their into their church that are they're hurting, they're struggling, they either go like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I cannot help you. That is beyond, I did not go to school for this. I'm gonna need you to go find somebody to help you out there. And then you can come here on Sundays 
I need you to go get help out there. Or they're like, no, please come in. We can do all things and we can help you with every single thing that you're dealing with. And we're just going to, I mean, I could get going on a side tangent here, but you know, we're just going to pray away your stuff and then you're good. Right. You know, it's just usually been one way or the other. And, and that to me, sadly has usually ended up doing more harm than good, not out of intent, but just by not knowing what to do and by either trying to do too much or not doing anything, people end up getting more hurt by the church, which is heart heartbreaking to me. But I think I, I'm interested because we talk about it all the time. Like we're always talking about know your lane, know your scope, know what you are equipped to do and when you need to bring alongside others. But I'm, I would love to hear from y'all's perspective um, just about what what would you say if someone said, what is the role of the body of Christ in the lives of people who are hurting and struggling? What does that look like? And I'm sorry, because I know I just keep throwing questions to both of you at the same time. And you look at each other like, who's going first? So, <laughs> um, but I would love to know from you guys, if someone just came to you and asked that question, what would your response be? Yeah, this is a, uh, gosh, this is, that's a really good question, Melanie. Like such a, even I, I'm even thinking through it, I think a lot of when we started, when we started press on, um, I had been in this role, I don't know, a couple of years and, uh, we're prayerfully walking through what that looks like at CCV prayerfully walking through. It has not been mental health and, and, you know, care and all of those things were kind of in what we did, but it had, it wasn't a specific department. It wasn't like a specific thing that we did. We've always helped people, but it's never been, you know, promoted or um, even advertised necessarily in the past. And so to be super transparent, this was a lot of us figuring it out as we went um, to, as we started press on, like where I remember in these conversations um, specifically, we were like, okay, this is what, this is what the, the overall vision looks like. We want to provide some kind of financial assistance for people. What does that look like? Do we, you know, take our vetted counselors and put them on, you know, our website and let people just go there? Do we, uh, only connect them with, uh, or do we only financially cover people that were, uh, connected at CCV, which is what we've done in the past. And so as, as our team was like working it through and prayerfully trying to figure out what was best. Um, obviously, like we said, God knew all of the things on the other end, but where we landed has created this framework for us where we um, just logistically on the front end, we agreed to cover 80% of the cost for up to 10 sessions for anyone that reached out. So they didn't have to be connected with CCV. Um, but really what we wanted to do, as Tyler even had mentioned in the you're seen and you're not alone, was normalize that we all were walking through something, whether you're staff at a church, whether you're attending, whether you're not connected at church at all. We wanted to normalize and demystify and kind of destigmatize that mental health conversation. And so, um, but we also knew we wanted to connect them to a local church, but we also knew that a lot of these people needed skills provided by those that are trained uh, to be able to listen and use specific methodologies like EMDR that can help them walk through long-term and really give move the needle for them in their mental health as well. And so 
um, we saw so much of the power of this campaign in marrying the two together. So we had people reach out and when our pastors would talk with them, they would encourage them to um, find a church does not have to be CCV, but find a church and commit for the next 10 weeks to regular weekend attendance or online viewing, you know, then everything was online. And so um, we just said, we know that being regularly in the word will bring a healing you probably don't even realize and be able to help begin that process for you. And then second with what COVID had done for everybody was isolate. And so we wanted them to uh, encourage them for the next 10 weeks, lean into community, lean into a faith-based small group, lean into one of our groups, any kind of community, that's what we encourage them to do. And then we made the referral for the counselor if that was the next best step for them. And so all of our staff within that 10 week period reached back out to every single phone call, all 5,300 of them reached out within 10 weeks to see, hey, how are you doing? Are you are you doing some, are you, in a church regularly? Are you in community regularly? Are you in counseling and how's the counselor and what things are you learning and and insights that you're finding through that? And we had so many incredible stories of life change, not because we felt like, you know, we believe Jesus is the ultimate healer and he will bring them to that. But we found counselors that confirmed that all of our counselors confirmed that. And the church obviously confirms that. And so putting both of those together, the church isn't the the end all when you're struggling sometimes with mental health, the counselor is also not the end all when you're struggling with mental health. It's really marrying the two together that gave them a community to belong, a place to find, you know, regular insights and in, into the truth of scripture and how that affects and applies to their lives. And then that that skilled counselor that can do that on the other end to help promote healing in different skillful ways that our team does not have. And so a lot of our training, even consistently now with our pastoral staff is, is knowing, you know, like you said, like knowing your lane, like knowing when you are fully out of your comfort zone. And this is not something that I can, that I can be able to help address for them. And so I'm going to make a very educated and relevant referral for what they need. Um, And even like when, when as a staff, I feel like we even model this all the time. Like when we approached the topics of anxiety and depression and addiction, we surrounded ourselves with experts in that area. So we had people speak into the the message topics and the content. We had people that were literally on call that I'd be like, hey, we're doing this. What are your thoughts on it? You know, even developing the, the 10 sessions and the percentage and all of that was me working in tandem with my most trusted counseling practices and licensed professionals and subject matter experts in all of the areas. So I feel like the role of the church really is to is to approach people um, with an air of grace and compassion and normalize that we all struggle and that none of us is perfect. And so that having that consistently be the the underlying um, strength of a church, as opposed to, I know a lot of people don't want to reach out because they're afraid there's going to be shame and guilt and all of the things that, you know, if I'm struggling with something, they might not let me attend or, you know, like all of the fears that, that Satan puts in people's, you know, brains and the lies that they have because of what they're walking through. Um, Tyler, do you have anything to add to that one? I just, I've got, I've got your, your cheat sheet notes here. I just, my, my encouragement for any, any churches or any teams that are considering something like this, you know, you're, you're going to be asking yourself, like, how do we, how do we measure return? Like, what is, how do we know if this made an impact? Um, and man, 
like like Rachel said, we saw, you know, we wanted to we wanted to step into the gap. We wanted to step into the challenge and provide some resourcing. And we trusted that uh, with this with this vision to reach people where they were at and to come alongside them and to help shoulder their load, we trusted that God was going to move, and He did. And so you might be asking yourselves, well, okay, you guys open this up to people that aren't regular, regularly attending church. Did they take the sessions and run? Sure, some of them probably did. What we know from our side, from what we've measured, just for some just for some quick stats, is directly tied to this campaign, there were 130 lives committed to Christ. 547 people joined a neighborhood group, a community group, like Rachel said. So it wasn't just about counseling. It was truly about finding people to do life with. Uh, 302 people have started giving and tithing regularly. 269 began serving, volunteering. And 69 have become coaches uh, in any number of our different ministries. So really, this this was... It was inflammation, right? It was inflammation that was happening in a time in this world, and there was something going on. And God led us to lean into it and to, to try to do something. And, man, what he did was he orchestrated countless lives into a richer community. And I will say, I will say there's, there's something, something that we just wanted to address just, just with a specific conversation of mental health. And this is a, a sweeping generalization. But it, it's typically been painted like one of two pendulum polar opposites. Um, just if you ask, you know, sort of man on the street, one person might have a perspective that, you know, with mental health, uh, yeah, only, only weak people deal with that. Uh, people who, you know, don't know how to handle life, don't know what to do, like just kind of the down and out. On the flip side of that pendulum is, man, it's just something that everybody's talking about. To get a counselor is just, it's trendy. It's in right now. It's kind of this badge of honor. We thought that the truth was actually somewhere in the middle, as it is with a lot of things. Uh, that, you know, this is something that is that is increased right now. We The stats that we had at the time were that on an average year, one in five person might be dealing with the uh, spectrum of mental health. Uh, and what we saw at the at the onset of this campaign was that it was closer to one and two. So the fact of the matter, if it wasn't if it wasn't you who needed to potentially raise a hand, uh, it's the person sitting next to you. It's your it's your dad who didn't know was shouldering this stuff. It's your wife who has been muscling it and just acting like everything's groovy. It's uh, I want to I want to kind of paraphrase. We had we had Brendan McDonough as one of our guest speakers. And for those of you who don't know his name, you, you probably know his story. He was the lone survivor uh, of the Yarnell fires. If you've, if you've heard of or seen the movie, only the brave, uh, he was the lone hotshot survivor. Um, and he came and shared his story. And, and I'll never forget, you know, mental health is something that, that impacts everybody, but I know the, the shadow and the lie that I lived in as a, as a man for so many years was, Hey, like, Buck up, man. Like depression, anxiety, like real men don't have that. Uh, and that was just a lie that that really was hard for many, many years. And you've got Brendan McDonough, this dude's dude, this firefighter, this hotshot who jumps out of helicopters and planes to put out fires. And he just said, hey, mental health, it's, it's that veteran. It's that soldier. It's that firefighter. It's the dude at the gym. It's the mom. It's the teacher. It doesn't, it doesn't have a typecast. So 
we have to reframe how we look at it. And I think that there was just so much power and truth in, in him giving permission for people to raise a hand and get some help, whether you needed a counselor or whether you just needed a group to do life with, mm-hmm. really open up the door. And I, I really think God moves tremendously through him in that moment. Awesome. I mean, I just feel like what you guys are describing is this just understanding that the things that we wrestle with and struggle with, I mean, we are holistic beings. So there is a, there is often a mental component to it. There's often an emotional component to it. There's often a spiritual component to it. And to just try to only deal with one, you're going to be missing something. And so I think just hearing you guys describing this place that you've stepped into I love that so much of what you did was encouraging people, hey, guess what? Like 10 sessions with a counselor is not going to change your life. Mm-hmm. It's going to get you started on a process and you're going to have to continue on in community and being involved in a local church. And I just love that it's like, it doesn't even have to be ours. Just like <laughs> get involved in a local church, get connected to community because this is just the beginning of a process. We talk about this all the time. Freedom and healing is a lifelong process that not a single one of us has graduated from because we're still on earth. So <laughs> until the day that I see Jesus face to face, I'm still on my own healing journey, my own freedom journey. No one is above it. No one has reached the end. And so getting people plugged into and started on a process, um, not thinking that like somehow after 10 sessions, like you've graduated, like you're great now, right? No, this is just the beginning of that journey. And we're going to be with you for the whole journey. I would love to know from you guys, just even in looking at how this entire experience has impacted you personally, uh, how it's impacted your church, how it's impacted your community, and really almost even just kind of how it's shaping even what you think is the future for for you all. Um, and you've spoken some to that. I'm like, man, we started this and now we're, it's going to be this ongoing thing. But just even just big picture, how it has impacted even, even your team, your staff, what has that looked like for you guys as you've walked this journey together? That's great, Melanie. There's so many things. There's so many things I'm thinking even as you say that. Um, when we launched this campaign, we had quite a few churches reach out um, that were very and have been, you know, very hesitant to step into the mental health space. And so first it was really just um, it, it was really just us kind of walking through that and being a little bit of a, a forerunner for that for other churches but also giving ourselves the permission to do that. So it's it's not anything that we were even, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier, but like we weren't building a philosophy around this. Um, you know, it's really something, it's something we've always done. And so we've always provided subsidization for counseling sessions. Um, we've always done that for people, but again, we've never really promoted it or advertised it as something that we do. And so us opening, we really were opening the front door for people to to know where to find the right help uh, and knowing where to find, you know, biblical resources. When when the bottom drops out of your marriage, sometimes you don't know where to go. So you Google counselors and you don't know of the list that, you know, pops up there who is going to align with your values or not. You can check their bio or their website, but even that, you know, is, is tricky. And so being that curator of some of these really scripturally founded um, biblical resources for people has been huge. And so this is something that we haven't, 
it it has died down a little bit since the percentage of what we help with, you know, since the campaign has been over. But we have seen, I don't even know the exact number, but it has continued to be, we've continued to be the front door for people, which I absolutely love that we are a safe place for them to, to feel like they can get the help that they need and the support that they need. And so we see more pastoral requests now, which is how we connect people to our pastors to be able to have these conversations than we ever have. And so, you know, pre-COVID, we would get maybe 40 requests a week. We're currently um, averaging about that amount um, or 40 requests per month. We're currently averaging about that amount per week. So it has like blown the, the door wide open. <clears throat> which uh, I love, but also some things that I didn't even realize is that uh, personally, it it has really, um, it's been an honor and a joy to do what I do, but walking through darkness with people day in and day out, as we did through this campaign, um, I took, gosh, I think like I took 60 something phone calls just myself during the, the months the campaign was um was available and open for people. And a lot of our staff took so many. And when you are constantly day in and day out, you know, we're not, again, we're not counselors. We're not trained or equipped to know what self-care looks like within these, these really tough situations. And these were people that had been struggling through things for years and years. And were finally like, this was the push I needed to get the help after this long piece of time. It wasn't like just COVID, but the beauty of what we saw was that COVID was creating enough pain points for people to actually process stuff that has been shoved down for, for a long time. And that doesn't just sit with those that reached out. It also sits with our staff. And so a lot of our staff who are in walking people through these things, it was triggering their own stuff. It was triggering their own traumas, their own things that they hadn't processed Personally, I started going back to counseling after uh, press on too. You know, again, like we're all we're all students in this. It's a lifelong journey of healing. And I, as I'm walking through this, and I, of all people, could be like, "Hey, I'm championing this initiative. I should be okay mentally, and I'm not. I'm struggling." And so I'm reaching out to our counselors to get connected and to to regularly see somebody and trying to model that for my staff, like know, have enough, enough awareness in you or enough courage to be like, Hey, I, I think I'm struggling through this and raise your hand so that we can invest in you. And at CCV, we're super generous with our staff of how we can help get them connected to counseling and other resources that they might need. So we really invest in them, not just mental health and emotional health, but, you know, physical health and financial health, spiritual health, like the gamut of what we can do. And so, what we've seen from press on is that the need is huge and that people really need somebody to a safe place to go to and being able to be that has been a privilege um, for CCV to be able to help walk them through what that looks like. And so we'll continue to be ongoing, you know, prior to prior to press on, we only financially helped with people, people's counseling sessions that were connected and engaged at CCV. And now that philosophy moving forward is different so anybody that reaches for help and they, you know, are are having a financial hardship, we will help them walk through that with counseling uh, subsidization on the other end. Tyler, do you have anything to add to to that convo? I just think I there were there were a couple things that were pro- profound to me personally, and then just like some other fun things that we saw through the process. 
Um, I like you, Rachel. I I also I, I had this moment. Gosh, six months six months into the campaign, like it was it was almost we were still in it, but it was a little bit in the rearview mirror. Um, and I had this moment, and and mind you, I I helped write web copy for the landing pages. I helped write scripts so that we could film some videos for this stuff. If anybody should have felt like, man, this okay, we've done the work to demystify this. I feel like I I could have been that one. But I had this moment and, and my wife and I were in a season and my wife leaned into me and was like, hey, maybe it's time that you raise your hand. Uh, and I, man, I resisted it for a couple of weeks. Uh, but for the first time, I, I went and saw a counselor and have, have befriended somebody who has poured a tremendous amount of wisdom and, and life into my walk. Um, so that was huge for me personally. Uh, I will say that the, the training, the staff training, just even having a vocabulary and some just some know-how for how to navigate this. Uh, man, God God knew it was on the horizon, and I had two extremely important men in my life go through some very serious stuff. One one called me uh, one night and was like, hey, I don't I don't know if I can make it through tonight. He had, he had experienced a, a tremendous amount of loss and, and was on suicide watch. Um, and, of course, I would be there as a friend, but I, I would have felt really ill-prepared. And instead, I felt this, like, man, I... I I can help here. Like I can do this. Um, so very practical there. Um, and then man, it's just, it's just fun to watch God work and to see him move. Like we were extremely faithful that this story was going to get traction and that this, this could be a bit of a movement. Um, but you know, as I mentioned, I, I head up our marketing and our communications team. So I'm, so I'm partly tasked with getting the word out there and, some news stations, it's hard to get a church story in, in local news. This topic of mental health was one that that was affecting everyone. And we yeah. had this support from a number of different uh, stations and broadcasts yeah. in our region to tell that story. We had we had the rapper Lecrae reshare some of our content. We had Josh Brolin. So if you if you follow that thread. Thanos reshared our stories on Instagram, which is just, <laughs> just crazy. So we had Thanos talking about mental health. Wow. Uh, but, but kidding aside, kidding aside, it's just, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing how big a dreamer God is, and how, and to be to be even a small part or an instrument in telling the story was, if nothing else, if nothing else, it has made my personal time at CCV even in this short stay. It's like man, that's, this is one of those main things I'm going to remember and just mm. be so, so grateful for. Mm. Gosh, I love it so much. I love, I, I feel like I should just be writing down notes when you guys are sharing. Cause I just have so many just like, yes, amen. Yes. That's amazing moments as you guys are, are sharing just your experiences and something that really stood out in both in, in what you both shared was just, um, I, it was making me think of a quote that I heard from uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle years ago. Uh, he he was speaking to leaders in the church, and he said, you know, people will admire you for your strengths, but they will connect with you in your weaknesses. And so what are you looking for? As a leader, are you looking for the admiration of all the people, you know, that you serve, or are you looking to connect? And I think that you guys just being able to speak from that place of, of on, I mean, I hear this from pastors so many times, like, how do I create this like safe place of vulnerability and transparency? And like, I don't know what else to say besides like, how are you doing at that? 
like yourself, because <laughs> it's going to start with you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to start with that leadership team being willing to say that we're all in this together and that there's a connection that happens with the people that you love and that you serve in your church and in your community. Um, and and I just love uh, knowing that that you guys know what you, you know, what you care, like you carry Jesus Christ. And if the, if the ultimate healer of our hearts and our souls is Jesus, you know that you have a role to play. And that is something that I can just like shout from the rooftops. I mean, it's something that I get so passionate about as someone who used to be in pastoral ministry, I kind of got to a point where I was like, I don't think I can help these people. Like they are in a different, they're in a different place. And I just can only help this group of people forgetting that I actually carry the answer. If I got Jesus Christ living inside of me, that's what they need more than anything. Mm -hmm. They may also need some professional help. They may also need some people with areas of expertise that I do not have, but they have to have Jesus. Like that is like, everybody's got to have that. And so knowing that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a pivotal role to play in the brokenness of this world. Our founder said many years ago that she had this aha moment where she realized like God told her, hey, Nancy, I did not equip the government to set the captives free. I anointed my church. Like it's the church. The church has got mm -hmm. to step into their place in if, if ever in the time of human history, this one. And so mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful that you guys have answered that call and done it in such a just loving um, and safe way. And I am praying that people are inspired. And you know what? There may be people listening um, who share this with their pastor or maybe they're in leadership and they're like, yeah, we aren't we can't raise a million dollars. Like we don't have the funds to like fund people in our community or in our church to go get counseling. That That's okay. Like the, people don't have to raise $2.2 million to be able to make an impact. I think it's important to know that the heart and the spirit of what you guys are doing is that you're engaging, you're leaning in, you're creating a safe space. It doesn't cost money to go have coffee with a counselor in your area to be like, hey, tell me more about what you do. How do you work with people? How do you think healing happens? You know, and start to create that referral list of who are the safe people in my community that I want to refer people to when they come to me, Tyler, and you get that call and you're like, okay, I know what to do. I know how to navigate this conversation. And I also know when and how to bring someone in that I trust, that I've already vetted, that I've already talked to. There is a way to partner um, in your community in that way. And so um, I'm just thankful. And I, and I think you don't have to be um, a huge church with a, a ton of money to be able to make an impact and to do so much of what you guys have done. Um, and so uh, I am so grateful for you guys sharing. Uh, I do. I have one question that I want to ask you guys before, but before I jump into that, um, is there anything else, any other words of encouragement, things that you would share uh, just about everything that we've talked about today? I think, I think I just echo, I just echo what Melanie said that, yeah, it's, don't lose sight of the opportunity in light of what it might cost to raise or to build a workflow or to figure out all the logistics. Maybe just ask yourself the question, like, how do we, how do we save a seat at the table? Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's, whether it's mental health or anything, mm -hmm. just, you know, Jesus, Jesus has a place at the table for these people. And, and what does it look like within our church or within our body? Yeah, I really think that the I, I know we've talked a little bit about this, but like I can't stress enough in the the knowing yourself and surrounding yourself with a, a community that can fill in some of those gaps. Uh, 
and specifically, you know, as pastoral, I have zero counseling training, um, but I've surrounded and immersed myself with people that do. And mm-hmm. so even in like those times when I, I feel like it's important to note that we all feel ill-equipped to handle mm-hmm. these situations. We all, we all do. Um, but I think it's, it's leaning into that and being, being that person, whether it's to your neighbor, to your coworker, you know, as a, a church leader, to your congregation, whatever that looks like, like not shying away from the conversation, but really just being there uh, to listen and how powerful that is. Mm-hmm. And then being able to know like, okay, maybe this is the best route for you. I know Melanie, <clears throat> in one of your trainings, you guys uh, say that people will remember how you made them feel more than what you say. And I've said that to my staff so many times, you know, you don't have to have the right thing to say. You don't have to be fully uh, equipped or knowledgeable in a situation to be able to be there for someone walking through whatever that is. We just wasn't planning on mentioning this, but a couple of days ago we had uh, a pretty horrific accident happen on one of our campuses. And so Mm -hmm. our, our staff is walking through some really deep stuff right now and struggling Mm -hmm. with the trauma of what happened and yesterday I was sitting with them and I, I, I literally thought the same thing. Like I, I have not experienced a trauma, um, but really sitting with them and just being that listening ear as they process goes way farther than, than you would even realize and not running from it. I know so many times people are afraid to, to have those conversations. They're afraid to even sit with someone that's struggling to that emotional level and in crisis like that, but just being with them and even being present with them has so much in it. And so like, no matter what your role is, whether it's on a church or not, um, leaning into these conversations is huge and really just being, you know, taking it one day at a time and, and praying for God to, to give you the words if you need them, but just being there, being available and not running from it or, you know, um, not being around because you're fearful that you might do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. Like there's too much pressure we have on ourselves to do that. So that's I'm probably right. rambling a little bit, but that that's, that's I feel like is, is huge for our staff to know um, as well as just anybody that's walking through mental health. We all feel ill-equipped. Well, guys, that, that has been so just, it's just been so fun and encouraging to hear um, and just to know a little bit more about what that journey has looked like that it's been, I don't know what you guys have described is that it's been like kind of beautifully messy. Like it's like, it's, you know, you stepped into this thing, not knowing where it was going to go. Um, and there has certainly been intent and structure and it hasn't been haphazard by any shape of the imagination, but like the way that the Lord has even just kind of worked and moved in your team in you individually, that it has been a journey. And that is just, it's just beautiful to know, like how, as you've leaned into that, you've really allowed the Lord to kind of like give you the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. And so, um, I, I just am hoping and praying that people who've listened uh, have been encouraged. And if they maybe are within any sort of leadership role within their church, uh, or they just are friends with someone in a leadership role in their church, that they might be able to pass that on and just to be encouraged um, and, and really inspired as to how they can, what that would look like for them. Because I just feel like if the body of Christ 
can capture what you guys have captured as a church, I mean, this world's going to change. <laughs> like, And there are going to be broken, hurting people that are going to be healed and set free because the body of Christ has stepped into the calling that they've had from day one. And so I'm just so grateful for you guys, for your hearts. Um, I... I love at the end of our shows when we have guests on, you know, our this podcast is really about engaging in and equipping people when it comes to mental, emotional, spiritual health. I always love, usually this is just for my own personal gain, what people are doing. If there's anything that uh, you guys are doing, just kind of one thing to just serve your own mental, emotional, and or spiritual health. If there's just a regular practice that you have, a rhythm that you have, I'm taking notes. <laughs> Tyler, I pick you first. Mine is I follow the breath. Uh, to paraphrase a sermon that I heard, uh, I heard it that you know the the revered holy name of God sounds an awful lot like a breath, yod heh vah mm. heh, in and out. So for me, uh, yeah, sometimes it's exercise, but it's not it's not just physical. Um, as somebody who, as I shared, you know, I, I've had a journey of depression. And I have a tendency to, for, for my mind, for the mental aspect, to get pretty pretty noisy and sometimes pretty pretty gray. So, you know, with my limited brain power, I came up with this idea that if I turned up the volume on spirit and body, physical, uh, that it would perhaps help me hmm. kind of de-emphasize what was going on in my head or, or offer a little bit of reprieve. So for me, I follow the breath. Uh, sometimes it's a really long run, uh, and I listen to one song on repeat, and it's just therapeutic. Uh, sometimes I jump in this goofy cold plunge at the gym that I go to, and it takes your breath away, and you actually have to focus in on breathing. Uh, but it channels this, this state of presence that I don't otherwise have very easily. Uh, and then this morning, man, my, my youngest son is... Uh, He's two and he's growing up and he's he's growing up and he's getting bigger. And so it was just walking down the stairs extra slow when I carried him down this morning and just watching the breath because I feel like if I can find the breath, I can find God. And if mm. I can find God, I can get through it. Mm. So good. That's awesome, Love Tyler. That. That's cool. Um yeah, I I I'm I am finding it difficult to find just one thing. Um, I don't know if it's just because of the seat that I have and the role that I have that I am consistently bombarded with terrible things all day and some really great wins, but I get a lot of, I get a lot of just terrible stories. So I have a lot of things in place. I feel like because, um, because I, it's a necessity really. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have seen and have uh, trial and error to, you know, in times when I didn't and I've, watched myself kind of spiral. And so um, I have a regular <clears throat> counseling uh, where I go see a counselor regularly. Um, I have just started a few months ago doing uh, regular spiritual direction sessions, hmm. uh, which was super new to me. I'd never really heard of it until uh, quite a few months ago. And actually looking into this organization for our staff. And so I was like, well, if our staff, if I'm pushing it for staff, you know, I want to do it and see and pilot and see what it is. And it has been game changing. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I've been in ministry as long as I have without having somebody really to be there to help me um, just hear what where God is in that moment and what he's doing. You know, there's a lot of things that I do on my own, like meditation and, and you know, breathing, like Tyler had mentioned a little bit of that. 
Um, but spiritual direction sessions have been so life-giving for me. Um, and then Sabbath, I'm really uh, dialing in this season of my life in making Sabbath a priority mm -hmm. um, and uh, doing the things that fill me and energize me and, you know, worship and all of those things. It's, it has to be intentional and it's super hard when you are running as crazy as we are. Um, but it is so needed. And I continue to remind myself, this is a marathon and it's not a sprint. And so putting all of these things in place and, you know, taking a half a day on a work day to be able to maybe put some of these in or go on a run or something like that, mm -hmm. I know will give me longevity long-term. And so, mm -hmm kind of walking through that balance. So those are some of the things, supports and stuff that I have in place um, that I love to do for, for so helping good. myself make sure I'm, I'm healthy. That's so good. And I mean, hey, 14 years in ministry, we need to learn some things from you, Rachel. <laughs> That's I still amazing. Kind of figure it out. <laughs> There's already some longevity right there. Uh, I've taken some notes. I need to look into spiritual direction. I need to look into a cold plunge. Apparently, I have a lot of questions about what that is. Uh, I'm just like going back to my college athletic days when I would get in like pools of ice. So that's oh. all I'm picturing in my head. It sounds terrible, uh, Tyler. Just terrible. You, you, <laughs> you just get in there and stay a while. Yeah, you just oh. like that but for a long time. Misery. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. I'm not looking into that at all. Um, but man, this is this has been rich. Guys, thank you so, so much for your time. I, I can't imagine what all you have on your plates on a daily basis. And so the fact that you would pour this time into this show into our listeners just means the world to us. And um, Rachel, I know that you shared um, that all of your ministries at uh, CCV are open-handed just as far as with your content, the things that you've learned. Um, and if any of you listening, if your church or your your organization ever wants to, to brainstorm or toss any questions uh, their way, I know you said that, uh, that you guys would love to connect. So Rachel and Tyler have both graciously offered that if anyone wants to get in contact uh, with them, that you can email um, them. And so we will make sure to include your contact details uh, in the notes for this episode if anyone wants to reach out. And um, if you would just like to find or follow Christ Church of the Valley, um, their website is, I hope this is right, ccv.church. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can find them on, I'm assuming all the socials at uh, CCV online. Um, and so again, I just am so grateful to you guys. Thank you for all of your time and just for sharing your heart with us today. Thank you, Melanie. It was an honor to talk with you guys. It's an honor to be, have been yeah, in conversations with Mercy Ministries and all that you guys do. Thank you so much for what you do to help those that are hurting and equipping mm -hmm. churches and in and, and having these tough conversations. So Thank you so much for having us. We're honored. Keep up the good always. fight. Thank you, guys. That's right. That's right. We're all in this together. Takes an <laughs> army. That's right. Um, thank you guys again. Thank you for loving your church, your community. Tyler, thank you for being courageous that day back in the fall of 2020 <laughs> and for all that has all that has happened since then. Um, we're just we're just privileged to to know you guys. Um, and so uh, we just hope this has been really encouraging for all of you listening. And uh, as always, we would just be so grateful if you are finding the content in these podcasts helpful for you just to help us out by rating the, the podcast, writing a review, wherever it is that you listen. Um, as always, if you have thoughts or questions about anything that was discussed, we're going to have Rachel and Tyler's emails uh, in the show notes, but you can also reach out to us at mercytalk at mercymultiplied.com. And if you just want to know more about Mercy Multiplied, if this is the first time you're listening to one of our podcasts, you can go to mercymultiplied.com. You can also find us um, on social media at Mercy Multiplied. Thank you so much for joining us today.